Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. We're glad that you've decided to tune in and join us today uh, for our continuing series on the 10 major Christian doctrines. Uh, Today we will be focusing on ecclesiology, which is the study of the church. Uh, and uh, when I say the church, I know that uh, most uh, of your imaginations uh, picture a, a big brick building with a steeple on it and, and uh, you know, maybe a bell tower. Uh, and that, that is brick and mortar church. That's what we were used to thinking of the church as. But uh, this is really the study of uh, the body of Christ that is the church. The bride of Christ is the church. And that means not the buildings. That means you and me as believers. Uh, so <clears throat> all of you believers out there, uh, this is a study of, of us, um, a study of who we are uh, in relation to Jesus Christ, who we are, uh, how we are, to, to comport ourselves uh, as members of his body. And, and, uh, and in some cases, we're going to be focusing on uh, ways that we're not doing it the right way. And uh, I don't want to take any more of pastor's time in explaining a lot of this. So I'm going to pass the mic to pastor and uh, let him begin our study of ecclesiology today's church. Thank you, Curtis. Um, By way of introduction, and this might be a little lengthier than I thought it might be uh, about the study of the church. And the reason we're doing the study of the church is because in America today and worldwide, the church, and I'm using that term um, um, lightly with regard to so many of our local churches in America today and our denominations, their divisions. Um, the church of Jesus Christ today is perverting the word of God and pandering to the world. And I think it's important that we should try as best we know how and as we have a voice to bring as many people as we can back to what the true church of Jesus Christ ought to be. So before we go into this message, um, I want you to know some things about who we are, Curtis and I, about our message and about the messengers. First of all, we are believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as it is presented in the word of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says very clearly, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not by works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk therein. And so in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're saved by grace. 
And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1, for, 1 through 4, we have the simplest form of the gospel, how that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And so we are sinners, Curtis, yes, saved are. by grace. Amen. Hence, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, by whom we are we were baptized into the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. If you're listening and, and taking notes, um, we'll not read all of these scriptures, but at least we're going to give you the address. We are, uh, we are believers in the Bible, the word of God, which is truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said of his disciples when he prayed for them, sanctify them by the truth. Thy Word is truth, and it's providentially given by the Spirit of God. Second Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means the breath of God. It's, God, it's literally the very breath of God. We, we believe in the plenary, and now plenary means every. We believe in the plenary, practical, particular, prophetic, perfect, pure, and preserved nature and state of the Word of God. When we study and teach the Word, we do so with a literal, historical, grammatical, and dispensational hermeneutic. That is, method of study. We're rather simple in our approach. Um, I personally am not a and intellectual, uh, nor am I very smart. I don't know how my son got smart, but he did. <laughs> we're, we're not Calvinists or Arminians or Pelagians or semi-Pelagians, whatever the world that is. Uh, but but we are believers in uh, in Jesus Christ. Now, in the following message or our sermon, or lesson, or essay, you call it what you will, we're going to present three questions to the body of Christ. And, and by that, I mean the local assembly with whom we can exercise our faith, employ our fellowship, and enjoy our fellowship with like-minded believers. Now, I'm going to ask three questions about the church, and these three questions we're not going to ask with a pernicious mind, a pejorative mind, nor for a perfect mind. For we know that in us, that is in our flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Romans 7, 18, Paul said that about himself. But we're going to ask this with a perplexed mind yeah. under the title of what about the church? Now, we're saying this today because the church is disintegrating badly. It's going down the tubes in America. It's become something that God never intended it to be. First of all, then, here's the question. The first question I ask, is the church going? Jesus said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Is the church going? Well, well, first of all, let us define and describe the church. 
and we'll just let the scriptures speak. The church is defined and described in <coughs> Ephesians 1.23 as a body. My goodness, what would we do to our own body? My goodness, we we try to eat right and try to exercise and try and we take antibiotics and we, we try to eat right. We then and, and try to eat right. <laughs> Church is described as a body, the body of Christ in Ephesians one twenty three, and that church is the believers. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, we, and, and the people who have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into said body. You noticed, not by water, but baptized by the Holy Spirit into that said body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The church has been called a building of Jesus Christ, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets of Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone of that building. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verses 19 through 22. The church is the base, that is the pillar and ground of the truth. My goodness, we've gotten so far away from the truth in churches today. 1 Timothy 3.15 calls it the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the beauty of the relationship of Christ and his bride. That's us. We've been described as a bride. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. The builder of the church is Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. Um Jesus talking to Peter, and he said, on this rock, and he was referring to himself, I will build my church. Now, the beginning of the church, by the way, before the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was no such thing as the church. Right. So the beginning of the church was at Pentecost, which was 50 days after Christ arose from the dead in Acts chapter 2. Are you saved and a true member of the church? That's the only way you can become a member of the true church. Uh, if not, please don't delay. Our Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so now you and we are members of the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Are we going. Now we think that this is not the only way, by way of a podcast, that we can go to a lost and dying world. Right. In my days, when I was younger, and I was trying to build a Sunday school bus route in three different cities, by the way, Pontiac, Michigan, well, actually Auburn Heights, um, yeah. but Pontiac was the main city. In Hammond, Indiana, yeah. and in Western West Peoria, yeah. Illinois. That's right. And 
During that time, I made, along with my partners in the church, over 10,000 house-to-house calls. That's what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Are we going? Now, seems to me that a going church is defined by six great things. So listen up. Six great things that we have and, and what we need. And the first of those things is we have a great covenant. That means a great promise. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now the Lord who himself gave this prophetic promise before his death, burial, and the resurrection has been fulfilling that promise since Pentecost. He is presently fulfilling it in this day and age. Today, people are getting saved, not as many as used to. And he will fulfill it until, as Romans eleven twenty five says, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. He'll fulfill it. He'll build his church until the rapture of the church. Until the last Gentile is saved. That's exactly right. That's what the Bible says. We need, secondly, now firstly, we have a great covenant, a, a, a great promise. Then we need to have a great confession, and that speaks to our position in Jesus Christ and thus in the body of Christ. Romans 10, 9 says that I'll, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that's our position. Saved. Yep. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we have a great promise. We have a great position in Jesus Christ. We have... And one of the reasons he saved us was for, for, for purity. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. So, so we need, we need to, to clean ourselves up, but we can't do that. Only Christ can do that for us. So that's, we need a, we need a great, we have a great position. We have... Uh, a, a great uh, a great promise thirdly we have a great calling which is is this we are called it, it's it's our purpose we are called for salvation mm. yeah i mean the bible is like a giant worldwide megaphone that says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest romans 1 7 says we are called to be saints first corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 says the same thing we are called to be saints 
So we're called, we have a great calling for a great purpose, for salvation. We have a great calling for service. Bible says, and he's called, he has called us with a holy calling according to his own purpose and grace. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine. And then he says, and we know that all things work together. Wow. Work together to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. That means steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We are called for salvation. We are called for service. Number four, we have a great commission, which comes with power. Jesus said, Matthew 28, the great commission, we call this in church circles. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, every nation. And then he said this, I am with you always even into the end of the age. Go ye into all the world. It says the same thing in Mark 16, verse 15. And then it says that, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Mark 16, verse 20. And so he's fulfilled his providence, his promise, his covenant to be with us. Um, and it says, and then it says, but ye shall receive power. I, I believe do you know that, since you're saved, you're endued with power from on high. It says here that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses me. Unto, and it says to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So number four was we have a great commission, which comes with power. Are we going? Or are we sitting on our posterior. Number five, also what a, which, uh, something that's required is a great consciousness. That is a great pity for the lost. How, why do we take some of these verses so lightly, Curtis? I mean, it's beyond me. Um, I believe it. I do too. We ha we must have a great pity for uh, for the lost. It says, "For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God." That's everybody. All have sinned. That's right. For as in Adam all die. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we all have the Adamic nature to sin. Romans three twenty three said, and, and Romans six twenty three then says, "For the wages of sin is death." What we've earned, your paycheck for your sin is death eternally. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we can't 
take that message to a lost and dying world unless we're conscious of this very fact and have pity for those who are lost. We've already said this, for as in Adam all die. But even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. We need to understand that. The Bible also says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When are we going to get it through our thick noggins that everybody who has not received Jesus Christ is dying? And their wages is death. Have we no pity? Goodness sakes. That's amazing. Okay. Number six. And all of the things that we need to be a going church. We must make a great commitment. That is, have a great passion. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. By the way, the, the Corinthian church was one of the nastiest churches, one of the most worldly churches that Paul ever wrote to. Wow, they had problems. But he said this to that church, awake to righteousness and sin not. Now, I still have sin nature, Curtis, so what am I going to do about this? I'm going to make every, every effort to sin not. But there's one way that he's talking about here is this. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not for, and here's the reason, for some have not the knowledge of God. And then he says to the Corinthian church, I speak this to your Shame, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. We need to follow our Lord's example of his personal passage, passion in that he so loved the world. So loved the world? He loved Khrushchev? Yeah. He loves Putin? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, did he love Saddam Hussein? Yeah. He did. My Bible says so. Sure does. It's absolute. For God so loved the world. I'm beginning another article. Does he love Joe Biden? He does. He does, doesn't you he? You see, I don't know how. <laughs> well, I, I can't see it either. But I mean, well, I mean, I, I know that he does. But yeah. If, having said that, this might be our last podcast. Pretty unlovable guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But yes, yes, he does. He does so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This, this, we must so make, That's right. And we must make a commitment to take this message to as many as we can get to. That's what we're doing on this podcast. Mm -hmm. 
If you get saved as a result of this podcast, please let us know. Oh, please, please. God so loved the world. He's not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. It says he gave himself, that is Jesus, a ransom for all, everybody. He paid the price to buy us back because we were sold under sin and all had sinned. And he died to pay the price so that you can be saved and I can be saved. And therefore, we must make a great commitment to that. And it says further, and who, Jesus Christ, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Look at the commitment that, the greatest that Jesus, commitment of all. he made the greatest commitment of all. How dare we not make a commitment? But that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to be a going church. First Peter 24 says that. Whose own self bear our sins in his own body and the tree. Oh, brother. We need to make a great commitment. We need to have a great passion to save the lost. Oh, brother. We... I wish we had the same kind of passion that we would make that kind of a commitment to simply go ye to a lost and dying world. Is the church going? Not these days, not the way it's supposed to. Not the way we should. That's why we're bringing this message. Go ye into all the world. Secondly, that's first, is the church going? Tough question. Mm. I didn't even like asking it, but I needed to. Secondly, is the church growing? Now, you see how I made these rhyme, going and growing? You do that from time to time. I don't. <laughs> You're a poet and don't know it. Now, now, now how should we grow? Now, there are two important ways in which the church ought to be growing. First of all, in numbers. The key word here is added. At Pentecost, there were about 120 saved. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Then after Peter preached Christ in, in Acts chapter 241, 3,000 souls were added unto them. That's in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And, and then not long after that, uh, it says, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. That's what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse, four, verse 4. So, so do the math. 120 plus 3,000 plus 5,000. The church was growing in number very rapidly to about 8,120 souls in a very short time. And that does not include the souls that were being saved and added in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, all this growth this rapid growth came as the direct result 
of a church that was going. As a pastor friend of mine once told me, and by the way, I'm going to use his name because I love him so much. <laughs> Because this is what, this is what he told me, and Curtis, you know him very well. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. He used to he used to maul you around good naturedly. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. So this pastor friend, his name is Dan Adams, by the way. Dan, if you're listening, I just love you dearly, man. This is what you said to me. Me too, Dan. He said this. Now, by the way, this is not grammatically correct, but it's spiritually accurate. He says, them what goes gets. That's right. If but, the church is going to grow in numbers, it has to go in numbers. Wow. So we need we need to grow in numbers. And I don't mean so that we can brag that we had a thousand people in the pews last Sunday. I mean that we can we can rejoice and we're adding to the body of Christ and daily. That's what we need to be doing. That's right. Every day. I wish I could get reports of people who are being saved every day, but it's not happening like it used to, Curtis. No. And dear listener, it's not happening. Which might lead one to believe that we're closer to the fullness of the Gentiles than we think. Yeah, and for that, and for that reason, our next our next podcast is going to be on eschatology. Oh yeah, the study of things to come. Be sure and tune in. Study of last things. Are we the end times? Okay. Fifteen seconds. Okay, so uh, we're we're going to take a break uh, for a few for a few minutes um, and get ourselves a glass of water, clear our throats, and speak clearly again for the next thirty minutes. <laughs> 